0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Allplane Plane podcast, where we talk with the movers and shakers that are redefining the future of commercial aviation. As usual, before we start, let me remind you once more that all previous episodes of this podcast, as well as many other aviation stories, are available on the Allplane Plane website. That's All Plane TV, A-L-L-P-L-A-N-E dot TV. Our guest today is Jenny Kavanagh, Chief Strategy Officer at Cranfield Aerospace Solutions. Now, if the name Cranfield rings a bell, This is possibly because it is not the first time that here on this podcast, we've got a guest that is connected to Cranfield. A few months ago, we had here Keith Mason, who heads a center for air transport management at Cranfield University, which is one of the top academic institutions in the world to learn about the aeronautical trade. But I must say that while they share name and roots with Cranfield University, Cranfield Aerospace Solutions is actually a business that is separate from the university. In fact, it was a spin-off from Cranfield University, but that happened about 20 years ago, and they have been an independent business since then. During most of these years, the bread and butter for Cranfield Aerospace Solutions were projects involving the modification, certification or design of aircraft, but, With sustainability taking an increasingly central role in aviation, Cranfield Aerospace Solutions has switched its attention to this emerging and rather promising segment of the industry. So in our conversation today, we talked with Jenny about the way Cranfield Aerospace Solutions has fully embraced the quest for sustainable flight and has managed to become a central player in the UK's efforts to become a green aviation powerhouse. Cranfield Aerospace Solutions is cooperating very closely with institutions such as the Aerospace Technology Institute, ATI, which is a British government body that promotes and funds projects in sustainable aviation. Cranfield Aerospace Solutions has also recently merged with Britain Norman, a British manufacturer of small regional aircraft, in order to develop a new generation of hydrogen-powered aircraft. And it is also involved in Project Fresson, together with multiple other partners that are also aiming to develop hydrogen aviation in the UK. So. Quite a lot going on, but it is best if, without further ado, we hear it all directly from Jenny. Hello, Jenny. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Mikael. How are you?
0: Very well. Thank you very much for joining us today here on the podcast. Let me just introduce you in a couple of lines. You are the Chief Strategy Officer of Cranfield Aerospace Solutions, which is a UK-based organization that does very interesting things in the field of aerospace innovation and sustainability. Uh, We're going to talk about that more in detail. Before that, like every other guest, I would ask you to introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about your background and how you got into the field of aviation.
1: Okay, yeah, so um, Jenny Kavanagh, Chief Strategy Officer at Cranford Aerospace Solutions. Um, I've been in the aerospace industry for 18 years now. Um, I, I, to be honest, I, I fell into it. Um, I was in a previous industry, a food production industry, actually. Um, I felt like a, a, a change of role and career. Um, and I, always, I was always fascinated with aerospace uh, and, uh, and aircraft. So I thought, why not? I'll, um, I'll I'll give that a go. So uh, I saw a job for a program manager at a company called BE Aerospace, who's part of Rockwell Collins now, uh, and went for it and never looked back. So that's how I ended up in aviation. Uh, I joined Cranfield Aerospace uh, six years ago mm-hmm. as head of Airborne Systems, which at the time we were a... Um, pretty much purely a design consultancy at that point. Um, And we were doing a a lot of very interesting engineering projects for the world's largest aerospace OEM. So we worked with Airbus and Boeing and Raytheon, Leonardo, et cetera, et cetera, um, who all came to us to do um, quite difficult, complex engineering projects for them. Mm -hmm. Which kind of leads into, you know, who Cranfield Aerospace Solutions are and why we're doing what we're doing. Um, So I'm now a chief strategy officer. I I changed my role during COVID actually uh, to be more outward facing. So I'm essentially responsible for everything that's forward looking and outward facing to do with our project. I'm essentially responsible for the strategic exploitation of the technology that we're developing, which encompasses everything from business development, sales, um, government relations, industry relations, as well as the strategic roadmap and and, um, the ecosystem around the aircraft, the infrastructure, airports, things like that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's a very, uh, very interesting organization. I would like to talk a bit more in detail about uh, Cranfield Aerospace Solutions, because the, the, the very first thing I would like to clarify is that you are separate from Cranfield University. Which is mm-hmm. uh, a renowned university in the in the UK for aerospace studies, and we actually had one of the key members of faculty here in the podcast as well. The origins of of Cranfield Aerospace Solutions are at the university, but you are currently mm-hmm. well. You've been for already, I think, more than twenty years. You are a separate entity. You're a private, uh, for profit business, isn't it?
1: That's absolutely right. Yeah. Originally, the the, the company was was actually a spin out from Cranford University, but not in the traditional sense. It wasn't an IP spin out. It was a capability spin out. So there was a group of very well informed and uh, and clever uh, people um, where it was actually separated from the university in the late 1990s, 1997, something like that, where they ring fenced that people and, and created a an approved design organisation around that capability. And that's what we've been doing essentially for the past 30 years. This this little company has been designing and certifying complex modifications to aircraft as well as designing subscale and full scale aircraft ground and flight demonstrators. And it was that that the business was doing when I joined it six years ago. We're also a 145 maintenance organisation and a 21G production organisation. So we have a whole suite of aerospace approvals and have had for many years. About five years ago, we realized that even though that's a very exciting thing to do and it creates a great deal of experience and knowledge within the business, it's very difficult to grow a business when you're at the mercy of discretionary spend of large OEMs and when I joined you know we could we didn't have more than six or seven months of of revenue projection and you can't create permanent positions around that you know you can't keep growing your business so we we decided to change our strategy it was right at the beginning of when the aerospace was starting to look towards sustainability seriously and so we thought right we'll use our capabilities and our approvals to do something for ourselves and we'll transition ourselves from a design consultancy business to a product business and that's when we decided to to take the Britain Norman Islander and to retrofit it with zero emissions technology. And, and just to finish this off, you're right. We are a completely separate commercial entity. We have been since we were started. But up until March 2021, I think it was 2021. <laughs> I'll have to check that. But anyway, up until recently. Um, yeah. <laughs> edit that Around before. that time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> up until up until recently we were wholly owned by cranfield university
0: oh, okay even
1: though we, we were a separate commercial entity we mm-hmm. our own profit maker and, and, and all, all that but when we went for a series a investment to fund our hydrogen um product that's when cranfield university is now a minority shareholder and and we are the majority owned is by the rest of our
0: investors. okay yeah actually you brought up a point that i wanted to ask you a bit later but mm-hmm. i'll i'll We'll mention it now. I think you closed a funding round recently of uh, about a bit more than 14 million pounds, British pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And that's in connection to uh, the project that you currently have underway Mm -hmm. to uh, retrofit, well, retrofit and and then at a later stage create a hydrogen powered aircraft for uh, uh, sub-regional operations. Yeah, that's correct. So you've been spearheading in the UK all this push towards sustainable aviation, and you've been involved in a number of different programs to basically make of the UK uh, one of the main centers globally for sustainable aviation. What can you tell us now about this project? You're involved in something called Project Freson. Uh, yep. You recently merged with um, a British, small British aerospace aircraft manufacturer called Britain Norman, which mm-hmm. uh, makes this uh, kind of... I don't know. A bit funny-looking aircraft with uh, yeah. that are, are operated in some in some regional networks. Uh, for example, in Channel Islands, there are a few, I think, in, in Scotland. Like it's uh, mm-hmm. called the Islander as a, the main product. But you you plan to make them hydrogen-powered in the future? Are there any other projects as well that you are involved at the moment? You you have also close links with uh, ATI, uh, which is the yes. um, an organization in the UK that basically funds and, and, and promotes all, all these projects in uh, aerospace innovation and, and sustainability. So what can you tell us now about the different projects that you currently have underway and what they are all about?
1: Okay. Um, so let's let's up pick that a little bit. So first of all, I'll start with what Cranford Aerospace Solutions is trying to achieve, what our ambition is. So we are an aircraft company. We're not a propulsion company. So we, what that means is that um, in future we aim to be an airframer, a designer and manufacturer of clean sheet, zero carbon aircraft. That's our ultimate ambition. Mm-hmm. But we know because of the um, experience that we have with the regulator you don't take a regular to the regulator a a clean sheet aircraft with a brand new propulsion system using fuel that they don't understand you'll be there for decades and we're a small company um we need to get to market relatively quickly so which is why we chose to retrofit that and obviously it suited our capabilities very well the islander the britain norman islander we chose very very carefully so you're right it is a a strange
0: <laughs> yeah it, it, it has an unusual look let's say
1: <laughs> yeah I mean, it's, it's been around for many years and the reason yeah. it's been around for many years is because it is such a good aircraft um yeah. it's uh, it, it's what's called an ultra stall so it has very short uh, takeoff and landing uh, capabilities it's also very robust so it can land on beaches grass gravel ice pretty much anywhere that looks remotely like a runway it'll land there so it's great in remote areas and the clue is in the name a lot of its operations are around and within islands so it's a short hop aircraft so even though it can actually fly 1200 kilometers the vast majority of its operations are very short hops i think the yeah. shortest is Orkney, which is yeah. 2.7 minutes yeah um, that's a, the, the shortest airport, uh, sh- shortest
0: life. scheduled uh route in the world i think yeah, with commercial right. service yeah. yeah yeah i remember yeah. that yeah
1: So we we chose the aircraft very carefully because once you apply this, um, let's face it, inherently heavier technology, at least it is at the moment, once you apply it to an airframe, you're going to reduce its performance. We did not want to mess with the takeoff and landing, the short takeoff and landing capability, because that's why a lot of Islander operators have it in the first place, because no other aircraft is capable of doing what it can. So we're maintaining that short takeoff performance. But it does mean that the range is significantly reduced, and we knew this would be the case right from the beginning, which is mm-hmm. why we chose an aircraft whose operations, therefore, don't fight against the restrictions of the technology at the moment. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess many of the yeah, many of the use cases uh, for many of the use cases, the, the the range is not not so important. I guess uh, if you're operating enough, <laughs> yeah. In a, like yeah. in, inter-island service in the Channel Islands or Orkney to uh, mainland Scotland, stuff like that. It, it It's relatively short distances that you are trying to cover here. Your strategy is basically you are uh, betting on hydrogen uh, f- fuel cell. Is that right? So it's going to be basically uh, a fuel cell. It's going to run electric engines, but it's going to be fed by... Um, Hydrogen, I think, in the initial stage, is going to be in a in a gas form. I don't know if you also have plans to switch to uh, liquid hydrogen in in the future as well.
1: Yeah. So, so like I said before, we're an aircraft company, so we're not technology evangelists. We actually started Project Freson, as it has hybrid electric, um, so no hydrogen to be seen. But um, once we had been through the detailed calculations we realized that that just wasn't going to work it was it was going to end up too complex and too heavy because the energy density of batteries is really really low um, and so we we switched to hydrogen because that was the technology that worked best for the aircraft and although we're not technology evangelists we do believe that hydrogen is really the only thing that's going to be able to decarbonize aviation because of its high energy density yes it does have challenges when it comes to its storage Um, It's either very, very heavy pressurized tanks in gaseous form, or it's quite a large volume, four times the volume of kerosene for liquid hydrogen. But it is the fuel of the future, without a doubt. When it comes to gaseous or liquid storage, you're right, the, the islander will have gaseous storage on it. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is from a getting the technology to market point of view, gaseous is less complex. It doesn't mean it's easy it still has a lot of challenges on it but it's much less complex than liquid because you don't have to deal with the cryogenics but also when you are retrofitting an aircraft or indeed doing any air, kind of aircraft um design every bit of technology has to buy its way onto the platform and what i mean by that is it's, it's it's ultimate the benefit of the technology has to be worth the challenges and on an aircraft this small and this simple and at this price point introducing cryogenics it just didn't buy itself onto the platform. So that's why we're using gaseous hydrogen. And yes, it's fuel cells. Again, every technology has to buy itself onto the platform. And with an aircraft that fly, that its mission is to fly low and slowly, you don't don't need to combust the hydrogen. You don't don't need a a, a turbine engine. This aircraft does have a turbine variant, but the vast majority of it are, are piston engines. Um, So we chose the fuel cells. Now, that's not to say when we move forward in our roadmap, which is to get to larger aircraft, phase two being longer range, larger aircraft, we will definitely move to liquid hydrogen at that stage because we need the extra range and the extra payload. Probably still fuel cells at that point. But when we get to phase three and four, which is looking at small and larger clean sheet regional aircraft, we will do the assessment between fuel cells and combustion Hydrogen at that point, because it would depends on the mission of the aircraft. Turbines like to be like to be driven high and fast. Fuel cells prefer to be lower and slower. So, depending mm-hmm. on what the aircraft is going to do, to some extent, will dictate what technology is chosen for the for the platform as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, on your website, you have out, outlined mm-hmm. different timeframes for this development. I think the first yep. stage is actually doing the retrofit and the existing airframe, the uh, British Norman mm-hmm. Islander. Then the idea is to scale it up, still with a fuel cell, and then to go for a clean sheet design. We're talking for a clean sheet design, we're talking about mid-2030s, something like that?
1: Yeah, early early 2030s, that's right, yeah.
0: About 10 years from now. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. And Project Freson. what -hmm. else can you tell me about it? Because I think that's a project that there's a number of different partners and organizations yes. involved in that, yeah? Tell us a bit more about it because I think that's also a project that has been supported by the Aerospace Technology Institute ATI that I mentioned earlier. What's the time frame of this project and how it relates to this specific airframe project that you are also um, conducting at the moment? I don't know if it's the same thing or there are two parallel things that have many points of contact.
1: So so Project Freson is the Aerospace Technology Institute project that we kick this whole thing off with. So thanks to the ati uh who who actually who um gave us the first amount of grant grant funding to kick all of this off that was to develop the flying demonstrator that which will fly next year um which is called project Fresnel. that and that's sort of the, the one and the same thing and you're right we do have a number of technology partners on that britain norman is one of them we, we knew from the start that we needed to collaborate with the with the um with the oem and i'll get to the merger in a minute um we also have uh, Ricardo, who are helping us develop the fuel cell system. Reaction Engines, who is another great UK company, who's actually they're known as a space company, a space access company with their Sabre engine. But well, What ultimately they are is they are one of the world leading thermal management companies. And the thing is with fuel cells is you you need a world-beating thermal management solution or you're not going to have a commercially viable product. And that's what they bring to this. And then we have Ivalito, who we announced recently, who are providing the um, electric motor or the, the, the electric power unit, including the inverters and controllers. for the. And this is all for the demonstrator. It's TBD yet who the partners will be to go for the production. Um, but obviously, being on the demonstrator is a good start, right? <laughs> so that's Project Freson, and that ends in the technology demonstrator, which will fly next year.
0: Where, where are you testing that aircraft? To Cranfield. I can't feel okay.
1: Yeah, yeah the great thing about Cranfield University is it's, it's the only university, I think, on the planet, or at least in Europe, with its own airport.
0: Yeah, true. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's own. So uh, I don't
0: know if, do they have their own fleet as well, aircraft? I don't remember now. I think they
1: have um on have static.
0: I don't know if they uh, fly. Fly, are they are worthy or not. I th- I know they have some aircraft, but I don't I don't remember if they are worthy or not. They just have it there.
1: That's a static uh, aircraft that'll never fly again. But they also do have a Saab three forty that they recently recently commissioned. That actually Cranford Aerospace did the modification to turn it into a flying classroom for them. So they do have a, you know a number of aircraft that they use for their for academia and their research.
0: Mm-hmm let's say the project goes as expected what are the funding requirements i mean you raised capital recently i guess you count on britain norman's industrial capacity as well i don't know how big that is because it's it's a small it's a small oem after all Mm -hmm. so what what are your industrial plans let's assume that the the whole development stage goes well Mm, what next
1: so that's that's a good question it probably brings this to the merger a wonderful segue into that so we have just launched our Series B, so you know I, I don't think I'm going to how how much that is, but we've 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 just launched our Series B, which essentially is is to get us to the flight demonstrator and beyond. And um, we need to get to market with that. So, and that Series B funding is intended to be in the Cranfield and Britain Norman merged entity. So there are a number of reasons why Cranfield and Britain Norman collectively decided to merge. Um, obviously, we are bringing to the table pioneering zero emissions technology Um, we have chosen their aircraft because it's a great platform to start with and they bring to the table the fact that they're the oem and they have production facilities right so so we needed as a company to ensure the ramp up of the production of those aircraft which required some investment which so some of the series b will will be contributing to that as well but also in terms of merging the reason why do that instead of a collaboration is because delivering this sort of technology to market needs a real team effort and it has to mean that every employee and every department of those companies are pointed in the same direction and you can go so far with collaboration but unless you're both going for the same thing really you're always going to have slightly conflicting business interests so we decided to to merge it all together and to deliver it as one aircraft zero emissions aircraft product mm-hmm. so with that we will come industrial ramp up i mean that's that's one of the whole points of doing it really
0: do you have already a name for this future mm-hmm. aircraft have you been talking to potential customers airlines yes. operators leasers uh, yeah
1: yeah absolutely so, so we currently have 81 uh, well let's let an intent for 81 hydrogen aircraft well modification kits but that will be transferred into aircraft once we merge um so we have three from skyboss who are a a uk existing islander operator we have 20 from monty who are a sub-regional lessor with 20 options so that's 14 in total um, and they are they are great to bring to the table because they offer the financing solution for these new aircraft in future which is which is going to be absolutely key we also have uh, 15 from a um, an airline startup in germany called evia aero Um, who has seen the opportunity that this new technology creates with its reduced operating costs in creating new routes for zero emissions short hop aircraft so we're working very closely with them and that's a particularly exciting uh, partnership and then we have Air New Zealand who are completely other side of the scale who want to change their fleet to hydrogen over time but they realize they've got a lot to learn about hydrogen as anybody else who's, who's working in this space And they see actually the deployment of a small aircraft like ours as as a good way to learn about that and to drive the infrastructure and standards and regulations, activities, not just conversations. Um, And and so we're working closely with them at the moment. We've got letters of intent from them. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, obviously, we're talking to a whole load of other islander operators and non-islander operators across the globe um, about their interest in this technology.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you planning to get involved as well in the, let's say, the supply chain of hydrogen? That, for example, we had here on the podcast Val uh, Miftahov of uh, Zero Abia mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and yeah. he explained how they are getting involved in part because of need, because there is no infrastructure at the moment in, in many places to, to handle this hydrogen. I don't know if that's an area of the business that you are also getting involved or, or you are talking to partners basically to address this this issue.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's part that's part of the, the, the role that I have is the ecosystem part of it, because it's not just the aircraft technology. You know, you, you talk to an operator in the Caribbean, the first question they say is, oh, this is brilliant. Or, Where do I get the hydrogen from? Which is the reason why Val and, and his team went down the road that they, they have as well. So we're not intending on getting so vertically integrated as, as those guys. Um, but we are having quite a few conversations with um, hydrogen producers and infrastructure partners because we realize that you know we do need to bring solutions to the table having said that we're also very conscious that there is there isn't a cookie cutter approach to this every airport and operator is different their business models will differ depending on their appetite for investment their appetite to become a fuel producer because that essentially if they're going to put electrolyzer on their airport they are becoming a fuel producer which comes with it you know liabilities and commercial undertakings that they probably haven't dealt with before so some of them have the appetite to do that some of them don't some of them want it just delivered to them and the problem taken away but actually the vast majority of them really want to understand it and they see it as a as a real opportunity to become energy independent. Especially those ones that are shipping in kerosene at the moment. You know, they think, "Oh, hang on, well, we could we could get renewables into this and get the whole end to end to end, and we've, we're energy secure." So, there's quite a few of these operators and airports who are looking at it as a business model of their own. And what we're bringing to that is our experience and our and our knowledge from our from our partners as well into how they might do that. Um, and but we're also talking to partners where we can help deliver that solution if that's what they want. Not every operator airport wants it just delivered on a plate. They want to work it out themselves, so um, we're there to help. Mm-hmm. If, so it's not quite as a, as a clear-cut strategy as Zero Avia, um, because we do recognize that there is a lot of flexibility you have to have, and everyone's trying to get their head around what it is that they want, um, and we're there to help figure them out, figure it out. Mm-hmm.
0: Have you quantified how big is this market globally? How many aircraft in this Particular category are potentially an uh, addressable market on a global level.
1: So we're going through some market studies at the moment because one of the things that um that isn't uh, in existence really is a plethora of market um appraisals on this sector of aircraft. Mm-hmm. Most of the studies have happened on all the large ones because there are obvious yeah. reasons, right? That's where all the, that's where all the money is. Yeah, um, it's pretty
0: but, niche. I mean, the, this, this well, specific market.
1: It is. It it is. It is. But also but also it's it's niche because um, over the last few decades, it's been horrendously underinvested because the economics of kerosene means that nine to 19 seat operations are generally very difficult to make money on. Yeah. And so the planes have got bigger and bigger and bigger to be, you know, to improve the cost per seat economics and all that kind of stuff. When you actually are reducing your operating costs by 40, 50%, suddenly those economics change. And there was a thriving sub-regional industry before. And actually there's still a demand for it. And some of the studies that we're that, that we're now seeing are projecting with these new zero emissions aircraft, <coughs> pardon me, and reduced operating costs, we yeah. would see a massive resurgence in that sub-regional space. So there may be, I think there's about three to three and a half thousand, little six to 19 seat aircraft flying around at the moment you know that could become 10 15,000 by 2035 um so you know it's it's niche to large large companies but to a small company like us that's a cracking market to be part of Mm -hmm. and there's not that much competition either and the incumbents in terms of the, the 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 aircraft that are flying around are all quite old and and therefore the operating economics are not that difficult to compete with so yeah. we're quite happy to be starting in this space because that's where the technology is. The technology is just not ready for large aircraft right now. It might be to fly them around, but to get them into, in, in, into commercial service with the reliability that that technology needs, it's just not there yet. So we think this sub-regional space is where it's all going to start. And we think there's a very nice market there to, for the taking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just an, as we are seeing in other segments of of the uh, let's say the clean aviation space, quite a few new operators that want to create new markets. So address not not so much the people that are flying today, but people that will fly in the future because it will be made possible by the more advantageous economics of of the new technology. So yeah, that's definitely uh, an interesting opportunity there. So yes. so you have this time frame, let's say. Uh, over the next decade, retrofeed, then the next um, stages, scale-up, uh, clean sheet design. Where can people follow you, keep track of all the progress you are making with this program? Is there any specific website, uh, social media channels yeah. that you would recommend?
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, We have our own website, um, www.cranvilleaerospace.com. We're also on LinkedIn. Look us up on Twitter. Yeah, we're always, we're always posting about what we're doing. Um, more than, you know, please follow us because uh, this is the future. We are we're true pioneers. So it's, uh, I hope it's very interesting to watch what we're doing. 2026, that's when we want to get this, uh, this hydrogen aircraft into service. So it's not far away.
0: Indeed, it's not far away and it's it's definitely very, very interesting. So, well, thank you so much. Wishing you all the best with these projects you have underway. And uh, thanks again for your time.
1: Not a problem. Lovely to speak to you, Michael.
0: Thank you. Before you go, and if you like this podcast, a quick reminder that it would be absolutely great if you could please give it a rating on Apple, Spotify, or whichever platform you're using, or recommend it to a friend or whomever might be interested. Thank you very much, and see you soon!